It's time to listen to a teaching of the Vivify Ministries. It is our joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Alright, here we go. So today we're going to be looking at one of the most important concepts in the Bible. Every experienced teacher knows enough to be as elementary as possible. That's the true test of knowledge, being able to teach what you know to to a child. One of the things that stands out to me in this ministry is the approach in explaining God's word. That's the approach of powerful simplicity. Our disposition to the word of God is not just to take down notes. It's not just to write things down. It's not just to get fancy pens, if you're like me, to get blue pen, red pen, and, and make pretty notes and four highlighters. It's to be a doer of the word, but rather be a doer of the word, receive the word and act on it, live it out. We're expected to be active doers of the law of the word. When you encounter God's word, it's not mere advice on how to live, but instructions that empowers you to execute all that God says. At this ministry, we want this to be your reality. Do you promise to be a doer of the word? Put it in the comment section and be doer of the word. Are you ready? Let's go. So we are starting a teaching series this month, and that is Fire Nation. We concluded the month of August, uh, and we thoroughly immersed ourselves in the concept of phronesis, which was just a teaching series on wisdom. We saw how we can practicalize the wisdom of God in everything, in our relationships, in money, and almost every aspect of our lives, honestly. If you missed any of those teachings, you would do yourself great service to run to either YouTube or any of your favorite podcast platforms and get the sermon, listen to it and act on it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So turn your Bibles very, very quickly to to James 5 verse 16. This is going to be one of our anchor texts today. James 5 verse 16. James 5 16. I'm going to give you a second to flip your Bibles. This is not... uh, This is not... (laughs) it's not not a recital you're supposed to open scripture so I believe you should be there by now if you're there you can shout glory alright James 5.16 KJV confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much I'll read it in Amplified to help you really understand we are driving home a point Confess to one another, dear, for your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also one for another that you may be healed and restored. The earnest, heartfelt, and continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Emphasis here today is going to be on heartfelt, continued. We are talking about fire nation. Fire bender is, is the specific topic for today, for the first teaching in, in the series. So let's look at an introduction to what fervent devotion looks like. I want you to get out your pens, your writing materials at this point. Get ready to jot some things down. Get ready to receive God's word and have the time of your life while doing that. Let's look at the science of fire. What do you think about when you hear fire nation? Fire nation. Fire nation. Hmm. A people set ablaze 
for God, a people set ablaze for God. At the end of this teaching, at the end of this deep dive into God's word, I want everyone here, every single person listening, everybody here should know that number one, prayer is my life. I can do it. You see, in the scriptures, the apostles talk about pray without ceasing. It should be your life. That's my life. Hallelujah. Number two, prayer is the core of my being. It's the core of my essence. I need it like food. I will pray every day. I want you to live here stead up that it is possible to maintain a consistent devotional life. One that is always on fire for Jesus. I'm going to show you something very, very interesting from your favorite book in the Bible. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. So people here have not opened Leviticus since COVID, but okay, that's fine. Leviticus is after, it's after Luke. No, sorry. That's the New Testament. So Leviticus 6, 12 to 13, I hope you're there. All right. So I'm going to read from, from, from the New Living Translation. Verse 12, meanwhile, the fire on the altar must keep burning, must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Verse 13, remember the fire must be kept burning. This is a double mention. It's an emphasis and if you search through scriptures you see that it was emphatically mentioned the priests in the old covenant it's not a new knowledge that god wants you to be consistent in devotion those priests under the levitical priesthood they were very very consistent in their devotion but not to get ahead of myself the fire on the altar never went out in the temple because every morning the priest will carry wood they will put it they will set it ablaze. They will burn the offering. That is a picture of the man in Christ. You, 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 you put fire on your altar. You take from within and you put upon. And now this is prayer. This is prayer. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. I would have said a fire nation, but a holy nation. A peculiar people. Amen. Hallelujah. So fire nation talks about literally burning the altar keeping the, the altar perpetually ablaze. So today, when we talk about fire nation, we see a people passionate for God. We liken it to fire. You know, at this ministry, we've been taught that the, 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 the workings of the Holy Ghost has been talked about in different ways in the entirety of scriptures. We see the Holy Ghost likened to water. We see him likened to, to oil. see him likened to wind. And in, in, in this particular teaching, we see him likened to fire. Fire has energy. Fire is what gets the work done. Amen. Hallelujah. So, we're going to look at some representations of fire very quickly in the, in the, from the scriptures. What did John the Baptist say? Matthew 3, um, verse 11. Uh, maybe because of time, I might not read all the scriptures, but write this down in your notes. Go back. Go over this teaching. Listen to the sermon again. Play the podcast again. You will always be blessed. Amen. Amen. Matthew 3, verse 11. I baptize with water. Those who repent of their sins, this is John the Baptist speaking, but someone is coming who is greater than I, who's so much greater that I am not worthy to be his slave. That's what the, 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 the writers of scripture said. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we see that if you interpret scripture well, you see it's the Holy Spirit which, 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 which is fire. That is the working of the Holy Ghost. And you have the Holy Spirit. You have that fire. You have a responsibility to ignite, to fan that fire to flames, and to rekindle it. Some people today would be rekindling flames on their devotional altar. You'll be rekindling fires. Some people will be setting themselves ablaze today. And you would be consistent. You will pray every day. You will believe you can pray every day. Hallelujah. Let's see what Luke said. Luke said in Acts of Apostles, verse, verse 2 to 3. Some people don't know that it was Luke that wrote, Act of, it was Luke that wrote the Acts of the Apostles. Um, and he was describing what happened at, at Pentecost. Verse, verse 2, then what looked like flames or tongues or fire appeared and settled on each of them. It's not coincidence. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other tongues. In case you did not know, that's speaking in that's prayer. That's called praying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. That's what's called praying in the Spirit. So we see, we see fire literally come on their heads. And what was the result? Immediately they started praying in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praying in the Spirit. This was both symbolic and representative of the inner workings of the Holy Ghost. One of the qualities of fire is energy. Amen? It heats up. It's one of the rawest and purest forms of energy. And like I mentioned before, I want you to note fire can be ignited. It can be rekindled. And it can be quenched. Amen? So that's why we see in scriptures concepts like fan to flames. Stir up. Stir up. You have a responsibility you hear ministers of the gospel sing songs like, set my heart on fire. Or you hear some people sing, Lord, I set myself on fire for you. So fire symbolizes that zealous, passionate working of the Holy Ghost inside of you to be consistent in your devotion. It is possible for you to, to be devoted every day, especially in prayers to God. So why prayer? Very, 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 very quickly. Amen. Why prayer? So, talking about firebender fanning the flames to devotion. When we talk about firebending, what are we really talking about? Are we, are, we, are, we, are we trying to play here or trying to have some fun? This is one of the most serious things a believer can be discussing. This is not jokes. <laughs> this is very serious. We are talking about power that God, God, God gave to you. Just think of the mountains. Think, think, think of... The, the think of the most powerful thing you can... Now, God deposited the greatest power inside of you. The power of the Holy Ghost. His own power inside of you. So there was a part that God played. And he was to give you his spirits free of charge. Free of charge. He gave you his spirits free of charge. I love to teach with analogies just like Jesus did. So why pray? I mean, that's what we are discussing. Why do I need to pray? Just like Jesus did. You know, his disciples asked him. They, they noticed that uh, the disciples of John were praying. People were praying before Jesus came. But his disciples asked him a question. Lord, teach us to pray. Because they observed and they noticed, this guy is praying differently. Why do you pray like this? Is, is it that really that serious? Was it not really about just marking church attendance? You know, like, 
We pray today, oh, yeah, glory to God. Let's go to our houses. Why do I need to pray? Amen. Number one, prayer gives you boldness. Hallelujah. Prayer gives you boldness. We see what happened every time believers came together in the Bible to pray. We see what happened when people closed themselves in their closets to pray. When there were difficult situations in front of people and they, they like Jesus, they went to Gethsemane. Their knees hit the ground and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. Sometimes going back like Elijah, seven times, prayed the same words. Go back and check. Nothing, no problem. We keep on praying. Second time, go back and check. So prayer, once you're done, you can rise up and tell Ahab, get into your chariot. <laughs> I hear the sound of abundance of rain. There was no... <laughs> if there was thunder, Ahab would have heard it too. He was a spiritual hearing. He knew within himself after his knees hit the ground that something was coming. Boldness was stirred up to address the king of a nation. Just imagine. Just imagine it. The destiny of a country rests in your ability to pray. You will need boldness and you will come out bold after praying. Number two, prayer expands your mind. It breaks down the limitations your mind has to the power of God. Ephesians 3 verse 20. A lot of us read it. We have become so familiar with scripture that sometimes we lose touch of the power it contains. And this teaching is there to stir up, to help you fan to flames every day what that power is. You're walking around. You don't know you're not ordinary. You lost your ability to be ordinary the moment you said yes to Jesus. Ephesians 3.20. I hope you're there. I'm going to read it in the King James. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. How can you use a triple repetition in one single portion of scripture that we may ask according to the power that worketh in us? The power works in you. The power is in you. NLT says it this way, renders it this way. God is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You know, the Bible was written in Greek. And when the writers wrote, they wrote hupa perisos hupa. And that simply means more than, excessively more than. So God is able to do more than, excessively more than. Why do you need, you, you, you cannot put words together coherently to explain the extent of God's power. That's what the writer was trying to tell you. And how do you sort of, how, how, do, I, how do I get me some of that power? I mean, how do I feel this? How, do you, have you ever touched a transformer before? You know, don't, don't try that, please, kids. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But if you go close to a transformer, what, what do you notice? You hear, that thing is oozing of power. That is you after praying. You have stirred up something. You have touched something extraterrestrial. You have, you have, oh, 
You need to pray. And you will pray. You will commit yourselves. You would say, you will get on your knees and say, I will pray every day. I will recommit. I will rekindle to flames. I will, I will fan those flames of my devotion. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what does prayer do in you? We saw that prayer gives boldness. We saw that prayer helps expand your mind. Hallelujah. So what does prayer do in you or do for you? Number one, prayer will keep you in the will of God. It will preserve you in the will of God. I can't see, I can't name one believer who doesn't pray that is in the will of God. You have wandered away. You are running with your own agenda. But to preserve yourself in the will of God, you pray. That's the discipline of prayer. Number two, prayer will help you live a life above sin. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Like most of us listening to, to, to this teaching today, or like me, maybe you've spent more life, more, more time in your life, you know, in the world. Uh, uh, you know, I'm not just talking about going to church, marking attendance, wearing fine clothes. Those days, maybe Supra. I think that's what I was reading. Uh, is it still reading now, Supras? Do people still, still do that? I, I don't think so. But it was not about um, going to church, marking attendance. It was, did you believe in the gospel of Christ? You know? So ever since you believed, and I'm talking about the belief that Christ came as a man to die for my sins and the sins of the whole world. He died on the cross. He was crucified. And after three days, he resurrected never to die again. Once you have believed this message, you're saved. And what's next? I'm going to need to pray. I'm going to need to, to develop a prayer life. It's not just an action. It's a life. God is not interested in prayer as an action. He's interested in it for you as a habit. Think of eating. Think of batting. Think of brushing your teeth. These are habits that if you do without your dirty person. No, sorry. Scrap that. Don't, don't add that part. If you, you can't do without these habits. You have to take a shower. Please. It's, it's an instruction. You have to eat food. You have to, you have, you have to do all these things. So prayer will help you live a life above sin. How, how does this do it? The Holy Ghost walks in you. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. How do we walk in the Spirit? By praying. We pray. When you pray, your Spirit aligns itself with the will of God for you. God wants you to live above sin. And to help you live above sin, He, he, he has given us the Holy Spirit. And we stir up ourselves in the place of prayer. And we are given the ability to live a life above sin. It's possible, folks. It is. It is very possible. If you, if you believe this, you can just type, that's my life. That's my life. That's my life. Number three, what does prayer do in you? Prayer demonstrates that you are dependent on God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I once heard a man of God say that his wife asked him, that, ah, so what, what, what are the plans that you have, you know, for your life? And he said, I have no plans for my life. <laughs> I said that was a very terrifying statement to make or to hear, especially if you're about to get married. Uh, no names mentioned. <laughs> so, but what he was trying to communicate was that I'm not running with my personal agenda. I depend on God. What I hear in the place of prayer is what I do. God directs and God leads when you pray. You know, some others say, if there is a man to pray, there is a God to answer. You know? And it's true. 
If you close your mouth and you don't pray, it shows you don't trust God. You don't you don't think he 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 he, he even has the I don't know rights to, to to talk to you about your life. Imagine your own father. He knows what is good for you. I think it's wisdom to depend on him. If there is a being, a God that you believe knows more than you, is more powerful than you, has existed from the beginning of time till the end. In fact, time exists inside him, not the other way around. Then I think it is only wisdom to depend on him in the place of prayer. Hallelujah. If you believe in the gospel, you need to pray. Luke 22 verse 46. Luke twenty two forty six. We see we see Jesus. We see Jesus talking to to his disciples, and he told them, "Why are you sleeping?" He asked them, "Get up and pray, that you will not give into temptation." Glory to God. Glory to God. So let's get some actionable steps. How do I pray? How to pray? You know, there is a school of prayer. You need to be taught. If not, there is such a thing as praying amiss. There is such a thing as, you know, you see concepts in the Bible. If you turn your Bibles, you will see, you will see, you will see the writers talking about, uh, you see the writers talking about, you have no, you have no because you, you, you ask wrongly, right? You ask wrongly that you may consume it upon your own lust. You know, some people say, if, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you. Lord Jesus, Benz, Lord Jesus, Lexus, Lord Jesus. Hey, hey, hey. You joke. You goof. Because you have to pray in the will of God. So how do I pray in the school of prayer? Prayer 101. Somebody say with me, perseverance. 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 Amen. Prayer 102, just before I go into the points consistency consistency prayer class 103 praying together you can also term it corporate prayers praying with believers fellowship with the brethren so let's talk a little bit about perseverance what does perseverance mean so when discussing prayer the word always must always come to mind do you see what i did there the word oh, oh you didn't get it let's move on the ability to push beyond how you feel, regardless, like you must have a regardless attitude. Regardless, I pray every day. You're hungry, fine, pray. You're tired, fine, pray. Amen. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5.17, I'm sure you know this one. Pray without season. Pray without season. Ephesians 6 verse 18. Prayed in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. That sounds like, I don't think you're supposed to think about it. <laughs> he said, prayed in the spirit at all times and in every occasion. Persevering in every occasion. You're in prison, you're chained to two Roman soldiers. What do you do? You pray. You're out of job, you're out of work. Your boss told you that they are downsizing or right sizing. What do you do? You pray. Your account is looking like a single or double digits. What do you do? You pray. There is persecution. You went to preach the gospel. And maybe they poured you hot water or they gave you slap. What do you do? You rejoice, then you want to go back and you pray. What am I trying to communicate? Prayer is your life. Prayer is something you do every single day. And you have to live here. If, if you catch something from this sermon, from this teaching, 
is that I can pray every day. I can depend on God. I can persevere in the place of prayer. Hallelujah. The second part of Ephesians 6, 18 said, Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. People are being persecuted in China. Ah, it's not my, ah. <laughs> hey, are you, have you heard the price of dollar in the economy? Which one is my own business suite? No, no. Scriptures teach you. Stay persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Think about it this way. You have, you have a brother and he's in Ukraine. I don't know if you had relatives that were in Ukraine during the, the crisis is still happening. But like at the beginning of, of everything, where people had to, you know, flee the country. Just imagine you had, I don't want to say just imagine your girlfriend was there because that might be going too far. But just imagine your sibling was there. Your, maybe your younger sister or your younger brother or your dad or your mom. Will you be concerned? Would the affairs of Ukraine concern you then? But now you have a family. You're supposed to persevere in prayer for them. Every single day. The ones in Kaduna in Nigeria, the ones in Taiwan, the ones in Slovakia, in Indonesia, all the countries you cannot even pronounce. Hallelujah. Amen. I discovered recently that Djibouti is a country. Amen. <laughs> we pray for the believers there too. Number two in the school of prayer is what? Consistency. Wake up praying. When I wake up, what am I doing? I'm praying. When I'm frying egg, what am I doing? I'm praying. When I'm showering, what am I doing? I'm praying. When I'm inside Danfo, oh, for those of you in our diaspora audience, Idanfo is, the botanical name is Boss. It's like a yellow vehicle. It has four tires. Um, it's used to transport people. So um, if you're sitting in that transport vehicle, you're supposed to also be praying. But if you're in Lagos, if you're in Danfo, what are you doing? Praying. Consistently irrespective of what is going on. Regardless, I pray. This is one area you're permitted to be stubborn, you know? In the place of prayer. Glory to God. So day in, day out, I'll, I'll tell you a very, very short story. I have this friend. We met, we met physically. We, 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 we have never met physically, rather, because of geography, because of distance. And we've, we've known each other for, for like four years. And I was on a, on, a, on a video call. I was on a video call with her and she just sporadically burst into tongues. I was terrified at first because that was, that was 2018. Uh, we were still growing. We are still growing. But it was interesting for me to see. So it's possible for somebody to just be having a casual discussion and switch from Yoruba to tongues. Sorry, switch from English to tongues. Or switch from one language into tongues. It was beautiful to watch that... So prayer is so ingrained in her life that she can't go long without talking to God. She can't go long without talking to God. It has become more than an action. It has become her life. Prayer has become her life. And that's, that's supposed to be your testimony from today. It's my life. That's my life. Prayer is my life. So note, she was, she was in secondary school that time. This was a secondary school or high school student talking about so Timothy in the Bible was, was, was a teenager. But you see the instructions given to Timothy concerning prayers. Prayer is a scriptural concept. Devotion. You can be consistent in it. Hallelujah. So let's turn our Bibles. Let's look at scripture. Luke 18 verse 1. 
Luke 18, verse 1. We see Jesus giving a parable here. Luke 18, word. Then he spoke a parable to them. That's like Jesus spoke a parable to them. That men always ought to pray and not to faint or to lose heart. Meaning not to give up, not to, you know, when you feel tired. So the purpose of Jesus teaching the people this parable was to teach them that men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. If you go down this story uh, to verse 7, I mean, I'm not going to read everything because of time, but you can, verse 1 to, to 6. Verse 7 says, And shall not God avenge his own elect, you, the believer, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long? Hallelujah. Though God bears, though it seems like God is taking time, you can do this thing like this, but guess what? There is a training in prayer and it's called consistency. See what the writer said. See what Jesus said. Day in, day out. At the break of day, at the close of day. In the middle of the day, every time I keep on praying. Hallelujah. So what gets prayer answered? Very, very quickly. What gets prayer answered? Praying according to the will of God. It's very, very simple. It's such a paradox today that uh, there are many supposed believers that don't know how to pray. You know, if, if some people had the opportunity, uh, they would have prayed for Paul to fall down and die. You know, Apostle Paul. You know, when he was still Saul, he was persecuting them. So, it would have seemed like a very, you know, gingery type of prayer that time. You, I, I don't know if I would, I would have, I, I don't know. But thank God for growth, for spiritual growth. We know how to pray in line with the will of God especially when going through difficulties. We know what the will of God is, that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of Him. You know why God cannot answer that type of prayer? Let me give you free bonus. Free bonus. Free of charge. I wouldn't charge you for this. Is if God answered that prayer, two-thirds of the New Testament would have disappeared. So you have to pray prayers that are in line with the will of God. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of him. So let's look at our example, our own firebender. You know, we have our own firebender in the scriptures, in the word of God. We have our own personal firebender. And that's none other than, drum roll please, Elijah. Elijah, the man who called down fire from heaven. Amen. I mean, there were some folks that tried to do that after him and it didn't end the same way, but let's get the message. The message is Elijah prayed and saw results. Hallelujah. Elijah prayed and saw results. Elijah was referenced in the New Testament when prayer was being discussed. When talking about the posture to take in prayer, many people don't know that there is a posture to take in prayer. You know, you feel like, ah, God is my, is my darling. Can't just sit on my swimming pool lounge chair and sip a martini and have a discussion with him. We can't. We talk personally. We, we send DMs. You're misrude. <laughs> there is a posture to take in prayer. Some of you might have completed uh, the National Youth Service of, of Nigeria. If you're a Nigerian, you know. If you're, if you're a Nigerian and you, you did that, you know what it means 
to not obey a soldier's command. <laughs> right? The, the, you, you obey the last command. That's what you do. You obey the last command. And Elijah was a man who was obedient to God, especially in the place of prayer. When God gave an assignment, when God gave a prophecy or a word, Elijah didn't just run with it, you know, with his own ambition and his plans. Elijah will go back. Elijah will pray. Then he will come out from the place of prayer, bold. He has been, remember what prayer does to you? What? Boldness. He's now bold. He's confident. And he goes to execute what God has told him in the place of prayer. Amen. So how do I get results like Elijah did? The fire bender. I mean, there are postures to take in prayer. Like we've seen, Elijah understood the seriousness of the task that was ahead of him. If, if his prayer did not click, there would have been serious trouble in an entire country. Some of you, God has placed in your palms sensitive assignments, things that will impact the lives of millions, literally millions. You possibly maybe don't even know this yet, but God has shown you a vision bigger than yourself. And you're wondering, how shall these things be? How, 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 how do I do this? You know, like Elijah. Elijah even feels like, eh, all the prophets are, there is only me. But his disposition changed after praying. I want that to be your life. I want your, you, before, you know, maybe BP. BP this time is before prayer. Before prayer and after prayer, right? You, you, you know, you're transformed, like from Superman, from Clark Kent to, to Superman. You feel boldened to take on the task just like Elijah did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look at Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse, verse, verse 1 to 2. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's turn our Bibles there. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 to 2. If you're there, shout Shambhala. <laughs> All right. Glory to God. So I am going to be reading. 1 Kings 18, verse 1 to 2. And it says, And it came to pass, or let me read from NLT so that things are a bit easier. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him I will soon send rain. It's very, very important to note the order of events in the story of Elijah the firebender because you might be able to correlate it with the events happening in your life. We are not telling you Bible stories. This is not Elijah and the firestorm story. No. This is how can the teachings from the scripture affect my daily devotional prayer life? What do I take away from this? Amen. Glory to God. So, verse 2. So, in verse 1, you see, God sent, God told Elijah what he wanted to do. <laughs> I want to send rain. So, God might tell you, I don't want to use any particular thing, but God might tell you something. And so, verse 2, so Elijah went to appear before Ahab, right? He obeyed. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. And if you follow the story, right, if you follow the story, you see somebody called Obadiah who was in the palace and uh, he was serving, he was like a servant to King Ahab. He met Elijah, long story short, Elijah told um, the servants in the let's say vice, maybe chief of staff of the king's palace, that, oh, okay, go and tell your ogre, go and tell King Ahab that I'm around. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready to talk. You know, they had been looking for him for so long. And 
Obadiah was like, what have I done to this man of God now that I deserve to die? <laughs> have you not heard that? When there were evil prophets, uh, when there were evil prophets, I hid hundred of them in two caves. You know, he was, he was reading his CV <laughs> to Elijah that, please don't send me to my grave. I know that the Spirit of the Lord can carry you. You know, he was a man of prayer. He prays and things used to happen. Things used to shift. So, Ahab told Obadiah, go and search everywhere for, for Elijah. They couldn't find him. Now here, Elijah is standing in the flesh. So after Elijah assured him that, don't worry, verily, verily, today I will see the king. Obadiah was happy, was confident. He went and told Ahab, right? And something dramatic happens after that. Let's see. If you go down to, if you go down to verse, if you go down to verse, uh, verse 18, right of his, yeah verse 17 you see that's first kings 18 verse 17 when ahab saw him he exclaimed so is it really you you troublemaker of israel <laughs> prayer can make you a very very important person in the plan of god such that the opposition will see you like their trouble the enemy do you know what it means when the, when the kingdom of, of the enemy perceives you as a danger right so how did Elijah respond? We will see this boldness that came out from his mouth. Elijah said, I have made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commandments of God. You have worshipped other gods. Now, he now challenged them. Now, summon all Israel. Imagine a prophet telling the king to summon the entire country, right? <laughs> to Mount Carmel along with prophets of Baal, and prophets of, of Asherah. And what happened was a display. I don't know if you know the story. I'm not going to read everything to you. I'm trying to pique your curiosity. You should be interested in devotion. Bible study is also part of devotion. You should go back. Go and read this story. Check these things out. How does it apply to my life? I mean, I can pray every day. And I can pray till I see results. So, if you don't go down in, in still First Kings uh, chapter 18. If you go down to verse... If you go down to verse uh, to verse thirty six, right, you see that at the usual time of offering the evening sacrifice, after everything, after the whole challenge, after the whole challenge uh, between the prophets of Baal and, and 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 Elijah, Elijah called down fire from heaven. Fire came down, consumed everything, licked up the water, licked up the stones, made a public show of them. People fell to their face. They glorified God. They said, truly, the Lord is God. You know, the God of, that's where they say the God of Elijah, you know, he answers by fire. That's where uh, people started saying that from. And what happens next is what I want you to focus on. You know, up to you now, they might have been a builder, but now focus. Now listen, verse 41 of 1 Kings 18. Then Elijah said to Ahab, you know, I want you to cast your mind back to the first verse. God told Elijah that what? I want to send what? Rain. So all the while when Elijah was doing this, this whole dramatic show of Thor, sorry, of fire falling from heaven and everything, Elijah knew what God had told him. Amen. Boldness to execute was received. So let's see what happens. Verse 42. So Ahab went to eat and drink. I don't know if I, this these kings of the old testament they, they baffle me like they, they they make me wonder sometimes like as far elijah told you to go and eat and drink you know rain is coming and you packed your chariots 
and you were going back to go and eat. Elijah climbed to the top of the mountain and bowed low to the ground. He prayed and put his face in between his knees. Have you ever tried to assume that posture before? It is not comfortable. I've tried, personally. I've tried. Is it comfortable? No. But what happens? There is a posture Elijah took in prayer because of the seriousness of the task ahead of him. Verse 43. Now, what happens in 43? Then he said to his servants, go and look towards the sea. The servants went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, nothing. I didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. Did Elijah give up? No. A lot of us, that's the mistake we make. You, you believe that because you're praying, you're not going to face opposition. Oh boy. <laughs> if you are a crazy love conference, you understand the meaning of opposition. You can listen to the teaching. It's on the YouTube channel. It's, on, it's going to be up on our podcasts very, very soon. Seven times Elijah told his servants, go and look again. That means he put his head between his knees. He prayed the first time. He put his head between his knees. He prayed the second time. Nothing. No sign. No problem. I will keep on praying. Third time. Prayed, prayed, prayed. Is there anything? Nothing. No problem. I will keep on praying. Prayed the fourth time. Prayed, 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 prayed. Nothing. Nothing. I will keep on praying. Fifth time. Sixth time. Seventh time. Then verse 44. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud. Little. Someone say little. Little. About the size of a man's hand. In case you're not familiar with something the size of a man's hand. This is it. This is about the size of a man's hand. Coming out from the sea. Now, something for you to remember. They were on the mountain. I don't think you got it. They were on the mountain. So either the servants climbed down from that mountain to go and check seven times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or he saw something so tiny, the size of a man's hand from that distance. Both of those explanations are extraordinary. Yeah. He just knew. He just needed an assurance in his spirit. When you pray, I don't know if you've ever felt this, there's this satisfaction that you just receive. You just know. You just know. After you've prayed long, you just know. And we see Elijah talk to Ahab, King Ahab. Go prepare yourself. If not, the rain would come upon you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we suffer, there are so many things we can take from the story of Elijah. And one of those things is, is, the, is the persistence, the, the commitment to prayer. Praying, regardless of, of, of me not seeing anything, I will continue praying. And that can be your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So how do I practically stay aflame in devotion? Number one, be devoted to building supernatural friendships. That's one very practical way. It has personally saved me. I learned to pray because I stayed around a friend that every, maybe every 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., like clockwork, he'll get up, wash his eyes, Start speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. You pray for like about an hour. Go back to bed. In the morning, you wake up again. Pray. In the afternoon, you set off. Pray. In the evening, you come back. Pray. And I'm like, I watched him do this for years. 
Yes. It ignited something. Before I knew it, I started joining him. I started praying. I started praying. Supernatural friendships and relationships would preserve you in the place of devotion. Those friends that when you call, you do a WhatsApp call, and you, you just hear tongues or you just hear prayers, and you just know that this is not a conversation call, this is a prayer call. Do you have people you do prayer calls with? That's a very practical step you can take. You can set alarms, you know. You set alarms where you, want to, where you don't want to miss a flight. You know how important your flight is, so you set an alarm. But your prayer time, you want to leave it to chance, you don't have a chance. Hallelujah. Please, don't let your devotion be an occurrence of, of probability. It can't. You have to be intentional and deliberate. Set alarms. That's number two. Number three, decide to start somewhere. I mean, 10 minutes per day can be your goal. 30 minutes per day. One hour per day. Five minutes per day. When you're just starting or restarting, rekindling the, the, this fire altar, place an emphasis on the daily culture, on the daily habits, rather than on the volume of time spent. Have friends that will call on you to check in. Have you prayed today? You know, have friends that will hold you accountable. And that's, that's the next one, number four, accountability. So we have seen be devoted to building supernatural friendships. We've seen setting alarms, just creating a system that helps you stay on track. Number three, we've seen deciding to start somewhere. Number four, be devoted to giving consistently. I know this might seem out of place, but it's deliberately put there. Have a generosity budget. God takes generosity very personally. You see people that were not even believers, right, like the centurion, whose generosity, whose devotion, should I say, provoked heaven to send an apostle to, 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 to direct him to salvation. Generosity, <laughs> generosity is devotion. Have a generosity budget. And number five, forgive yourself and restart. Okay, no problem. You're supposed to pray every day. You miss one day. You know that the way you miss one day, you now say, missed yesterday i might as well just continue in that downtrend no don't do that forgive yourself restart the writer of 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 of, of the old test the writer in the old testament in psalms and in proverbs they talked about how a righteous man falls down seven times but he gets back up eight every single time you sleep you get up you, your destination is not the ground though you will have to learn to forgive yourself in this prayer work, especially if you have not been very consistent before today. So, forgive yourself and restart. Rekindle. So, keep awake. Watch and pray. You're not the only ones. You should not be surprised. There is someone called Satan. You know, there is someone called an adversary, called the devil. And <laughs> many people are not aware that he's against your prayer life. He's after your prayer life. Amen. I mean, there's no such thing as an automatic prayer life. There is what you do to sustain what God has done. So you have to find the flames of the Spirit. You know, 1 Timothy 6.12 and Galatians 5.15. Right? So when you're reading the Bible, there, there was the progression of knowledge. 
as I brought it up. Hallelujah, glory to God. When you're reading the Bible, you see what is called the development of knowledge. So when you see the path of the just in Proverbs 4, 18, it's as a shining light that shines more and more onto the perfect day. Don't be surprised if I tell you that that light is the knowledge of God. So about your devotional life, how do I avoid pits? How do I avoid pitfalls? You know, how do I get up? You know, I've told you, forgive yourself, restart, start again. How, how do I do this? I'm telling you that there is someone called Satan after your prayer life. But that's not your challenge. You have the Spirit of God. You have the ability placed inside yourself. You can stir up yourself. You can have friends stir you up. You can have friends, mentors, teachers inspire you. The only way to walk on water is to see someone else walk on water and be confident and say, I can, I can do that too. You know, to say, that's my life. So you don't have to do a, a, a very deep search to know that Satan is after your prayer life. But the people in the Old Testament, they didn't know about this. Just do a quick search. You see, Job mentioned Satan 11 times. David just mentioned it once. Zechariah twice. Ezra once. That's all. 15 times total it was mentioned. But if you search the New Testament, Jesus came to expose the works of Satan. You know, Jesus came to expose the works of Satan. You see Satan mentioned more than 34 times in the New Testament. The word devil, more than 100. So it's apparent that as, 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 as time progressed, people knew about the workings of Satan. And today I'm telling you that you have God's spirit inside of you that has given you the ability to resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not a negotiation. You know, some African magic movies or some Nigerian movies have maybe led you to believe that devil will appear, you will, devil will say his own, you will say your own, devil will say his own, then they will throw thunder, then someone else will throw fire, then throw water, then throw stone, then, then eventually the, then maybe the angel will not appear and stand in front of the path. No, no. No, people, people of God. That's not what happens. It's the analogy of light and darkness. You turn on the light in a dark room. There is no negotiation between the light and the darkness. The darkness has no, nothing else to do but to just flee. Where's darkness? At the sight of light. It evaporates, disappears. So in your prayer life, as you pray, you would begin to notice that things in your life will start falling off. They will start dying of laziness to disappear. You, you, you will begin to forgive yourself more. You will begin to be directed more. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So remember we started this teaching talking about fire nation as I conclude. We saw how a fire nation is just a people passionate about God. People zealous to do good works. You know, because we have been saved. We didn't need to do these good works to be saved. We have been saved. So now... We can do these good works. Now that I want to give. Now that I want to love my neighbor. Now that I want to love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. Now that I want to pray. I want to be led by God. It's a privilege to be led by God. And you, you get this from the place of prayer. You must continuously see that this is my life. It is my destiny. I consistently do this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So remember, folks, there is nothing like an automatic prayer life. Remember basic science. For, for fire to be produced, you need three things to produce and sustain it. You need heat, 
you need oxygen and you need fuel. You remove any of these three and the fire quenches. So you need heat for ignition. Start today. Commit. Set that alarm. Text that friend, you know. Help me. Hold me accountable. Create structure. Help. I want to read my Bible and pray every day. If that's your goal, you're, you're made as a, as a believer. Let me just tell you. You have reached all of it. You're dear. If you can make that commitment today, not tomorrow, because by the time we reach tomorrow, tomorrow will now become today. So you're going to make that commitment today. I will send that text to that friend. Help me hold me accountable. I'm going to set time aside on my calendar. Yes, I work to a nine to five. Yes, I work two jobs. Don't, don't we all? <laughs> we all do. But you will set time aside and you will grow consistently in the place of devotion. Glory to God. Glory to God. Right this moment, we are going to practice one of those things. We are going to be setting our altar ablaze. We are going to be talking to God. We are going to be saying, Spirit of the living God, I set myself on fire. I'm consistent in my prayer life. I'm consistent in my prayer life. My devotion ah, is evidence. Is evidence that I'm committed to you. Even people in my workplace know. I mutter in tongues under my breath. I wake up praying. I go to bed praying. I'm cooking and praying. This culture is imbued in my spirit. Oh, prayer is not just an action. It becomes a a life for me. It becomes a habit. It's something that I move from duty to delight. Yes, I may start from duty. Yes, it may, I might be watching the clock at first, but I grow in maturity. I desire growth. I want to see myself consistent. Lord Jesus, help me. He can help you. He can empower you. He can even, he can even direct you even as you pray. Even as you're praying this prayer now, the Lord is taking your mind to some things. He's reminding you of some instructions. He's showing you some visions and you're telling him, Lord, yes, I will continue to wait on you. In humility, I depend on you in prayer. Oh, you can talk to God. You can also talk to him in the spirit because you are spirit and he is spirit. Oh, you're talking to your father. You're talking to God. <laughs> oh, yes, Lord, I build my prayer life. I build it's brick upon brick. The effectual fervent prayer of me makes tremendous power available. I pray every day. I pray every day. I pray every day. This is my culture. May it not be said that I was found a day where I was not praying. May this be my life. May this be my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. I know, yes, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But guess what? Guess what? God can work in you to do of his good pleasure. Oh yes, it's God that's working in you to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's possible. It is possible with God's spirit to be consistent, to see a nation set ablaze for God, to see a people, to see our hearts awaken to the finished works of Christ, praying every day, having a prayer life, having a prayer culture. That's my life. That's my life.
that's my life. I pray every day. I build this culture of devotion. I fan it to flames. 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 Just begin to thank God. Thank you for this word you have received. You can write down the commitments as, as, as you're even muttering these words under your breath that you're going to take from today. What am I going to do with this word? Remember James' word, but be you doers of the world. What are you going to do differently? Are you going to set an alarm? Set it now as I'm talking. Are you going to call a friend? Maybe this sermon is over. You, you pick up your phone and you call. Are you going to, are you, are you, are you, are you going to, what are you going to do with the word that you have received? Lord, help me. Lord, teach me. Lord, direct me. Lord, instruct me. My heart is ready. My heart is open to receive all that you have for me. Ah, this month of August. We are on fire for you. We are on fire for you. Boldness in the place of prayer. <laughs> we are bold in the place of prayer. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God, glory to God, hallelujah. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.